Hi, welcome back to the Marketing Muse. Uh, it's been a while that we've not been doing any podcasts. We've had a couple that we didn't go live for technical issues, and we've also been changing about the location. Uh, we'll still be changing about the location, so this one's not fixed, but do join us. We'll hopefully have some video content up. Um, we'll have short little bits of what we talk about, so if you don't want to listen to the whole 30 minutes or the half an hour, or the hour, whatever it may be, uh, you can catch that. And also, um, we'll be also putting the show notes in different forms as well, more bite-sized chunks. Yeah, so in this week's episode, um, we'll be talking about um, BBC Radio 4, and the future of advertising in football and wider um, offline advertising, um, as well as good uses for the Google Keyword Planner. <coughs> so we'll start with a blog that we've read recently. Yeah, this week I read a blog on Keyword Planner, believe it or not, it's been a while. Um, but it was actually showing many ways that you can use Keyword Planner that you wouldn't normally use. So mm -hmm. one of the examples was he typed in his keyword and then an, uh, a result come from Wikipedia and put that page that it links you to, to Wikipedia, put that in key, uh, the Keyword Planner. And that was one example. And then it was just putting, you know, um, instead of choosing the volume, you can put the URL. Yeah. It's choosing the websites that A, rank better than yours, rank for a really popular term, like a broad term, and put that into Keyword Planner and they give you all the suggested keywords from that. So it's actually really good and it sounds really obvious as well, you know, when you yeah, think yeah, about yeah. it. Um, but I think it, he's done a lot of reverse engineering into like how to go about doing it. Um, just for reference, the website was Advanced Web Ranking and the article is Google didn't want us to use the keyword planner this way, but it works nicely. Um, and it was written in 2016 actually, so that's quite a while away. I think I've come across it on a subreddit um, and it was actually really interesting. So it's probably about a five, 10 minute read, but it shows you all the print screens. It shows you, you know, this is the keyword you should be looking for. Um, even questions, you know, and how you can using the answer cards and put them into Google Planner and then doing all the bit more advanced stuff by putting them into um, Open Site Explorer on Moz and then that gives you all of the keywords. But yeah. I think the way I used it and I used it the other day was literally going on some websites and putting that website into the keyword planner, not yeah. my website or not the website that you're doing the keyword research for. Yeah. So do it for where you want to be. Yeah, kind of where you want to be and then look at what they're ranking for and then how competitive it is and all that jazz. So um, yeah, put your competitors into keyword planner unintended way number two. Uh, what else was there on there? Put Pinterest search results into keyword planner. That was one that I just didn't so think. So what the actual Pinterest URL? Yeah, yeah, the Pinterest URL. So if you typed in, you know, went on to Pinterest, search bar, put your keyword in, press enter, then that URL, put that into the keyword planner, and it's gonna give you all the keywords that are associated with that page. And I think the way that works is the fact that Pinterest comes up as search results a lot. Mm -hmm. So that's probably the way that you can figure out what are the terms to go for. Um, but I think that was both for SEO and for PPC as well. Yeah. Um, industry conference topic pages, that was number five. Put industry forum topics, DMOS categories and keyword planner. So then it starts going into a bit more granular and a bit more um, advanced type of research. But 
you know, Pinterest competitor and a Wikipedia page yeah. to start and see what you come up with. But I find it really interesting and I don't really spend that much time in these sort of SEO blogs anymore, but mm -hmm. it is good to kind of just keep the finger on the pulse every now and then. That's interesting. Um, it's really helpful for like content ideas and, and things, isn't it? That's it, um, yeah. I've never really seen anyone use it that way. It's always just, you know, putting up a few keywords, see what it spits out. Never really seen there's a opportunity to, you know, benchmark against competitors or track competitors. Um, so yeah, interesting. Um, mine was, I, I saw two blogs in the space of a couple of days of each other, um, which were quite interesting. Um, millennials seem to be out now. No one, can, no one, wants, <laughs> no one wants to reach millennials anymore. Um, it's all about Gen Z now. Right. Um, so these are... Centennial, is that, is that what they're called? I th maybe we haven't decided on a, on a name for them yet. Yeah. But these are you know, people born after 1995 or something like that. Um, but it's just, it, both business and cyber articles, the first one was seven outdated slang words that brands shouldn't be using anymore. Um, and the other one was some of Gen Z's biggest fashion entrepreneurs have worked with stars like Kylie Jenner and Lord and they're all under 22. And it's, it's just, this, we're reading, I'm re I feel like I'm reading the same articles again. It's <laughs> just a different... You know, they, you know, they, they, they don't want to work very hard. They want to work for, you know, a charity, which as a social purpose. And it was only two or three years ago that we were reading these articles about millennials. That's it, yeah, exactly. Um, and there, there was a lot, I, 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 you know, in relative terms, we're, we're still quite new to this industry, so I don't really know what was going on 10, 15 years ago in, in terms of generations and, and things. but. It, it, it just seemed to be a bit of a backlash eventually about the whole millennial stereotyping um, and people making it, were pointing out the fact that 17, 18 year olds in the 60s wanted these things, they don't, yeah. they don't want to work for big corporations, soulless corporations, they didn't then, they don't now, um, but it just seems people were writing so much about it, it's like things haven't changed, people haven't changed, young people especially haven't changed that much. Um, you know, what, you know what's fashionable changes but their ideals and what they want from the world tends to be um, quite similar um, but it just got me thinking it's brands and companies are always chasing the new and it's it, the, the idea of building a brand that is genuinely loved or genuinely stands apart from everyone else sort of goes out of the window a little bit and it just becomes about trying to chase the latest trend trying to get Kylie Jenner to to, to be an influencer for you, even though you, she's not suited for you, but she reaches this audience, so we should be, you know, memifying our market, and then it, it, it just gets away from the Amazons, the Ebays, the Googles, the Apples, who build these huge brands because they're useful and they're good, rather than, oh, we, you know, we should be chasing the latest trend or using the latest slang in our ads or in our branding activity. Um, so yeah, that was, it was a shot that those two were quite close to each other. I read them last week or the week before, and it's just uh, this constant chain for reaching young people. Um, yeah. I think, you know, if it's not authentic, so stop trying to be something that you're not and just build something that lasts, really. 
Because authenticity. Yeah. <laughs> but then does it every every person to a degree? Yeah. And then you get you start you know, then you get a job and you realise that it costs money to buy authenticity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> book wise, I've um, I have this book. I think James Altucher spoke about it quite a lot. Um, and I've heard people on Tim Ferriss talk about it a little bit, but I've started listening to on Audible um, The Magic of Thinking Big. Okay. Um, it's it's actually quite an old book. Um, I've only listened to the first chapter. The, the, the premise of the book is, you know, if you aim for sort of something small and you don't reach it, then chances are you're not going to get very far. Whereas if you aim for the stratosphere and even yeah. if you only get halfway there, you you're still a lot further ahead than you ever got, than you were going to be if you were aiming small yeah, small yeah, increments yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's about mindset, about a mindset change and how thinking, you know, long term, big thoughts. I want to be, I want a hundred person company, and I need to believe that I can get to there, etc. etc. Um, so I read the first chapter, which is all about belief, and it was really interesting. It made me think a lot about last year when I was working for myself, and you know, how much did I actually believe I could work, mm. and did. Did the fact that maybe deep down I didn't think it would work come across to people? Um, it's, it, it was interesting, but it is a bit, it is slightly outdated in some of its language. It's very like um, male dominated in terms of the examples that they use. You know, it's all, you know, give your wife a good life and stuff like that. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> they, just to date it, um, it actually says, it's all about dreaming big, blah, 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 blah. They're actually thinking about building a tunnel under the English Channel to link the UK and France. So, wow. like mid 80s, maybe they, they, okay. they built that tunnel, the tunnel. So, which I think it's like the books from like the 70s, maybe. But I, I, I've, I've heard so many people talk about it that I thought I'd give it a go. And so far, I like it. I'll, I'll, I'm going to, I need to, sp- I need to spend more time reading and like dedicating to Audible and podcasts again because it's just not something I've done over the last couple of months um, but yeah it's a new focus for me for the next couple of weeks to get back on back nice. on them a bit more back on the hype um, a book I've actually nearly finished the introducing series so um, I've kind of well I'm halfway through a, a book called what's it called now it's about crowdfunding so I've got a bit of a plan with my books that I've decided to read now. So How to Use Crowdfunding um, by How To Academy. So How To Academy are these publishers that give you like really actionable steps. But the reason that I'm, I'm reading about crowdfunding is what I'm planning to do with my books is, I still want to read all that introducing stuff because it, it is like really interesting and like bit sort of longer thinking type of um, information yeah. where what I've really missed out on is picking up a book, being able to just do it in two, three days that isn't making me think every time I read a sentence. It's kind of one, I can get it, it's digestible, there's actionable to-do points, and I can then go and apply that more to people that I'm working with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is the example of the crowdfunding one because it's just crowdfunding is absolutely blown up. And actually reading this in this book, I didn't realize all the different types of crowdfunding as well. So I just, when I think crowdfunding, I think I can give you £10 and I support you along the way, or I give you £100 and you give me like, you know, six months worth of your product, you know, in return. So like that, yeah. that uh, and it's not really equity because there's no equity there, but it's more the, you buy in and then at a later date you can redeem. That's all I thought crowdfunding was really, but 
you know, you get equity crowdfunding and there's all different types of um, I always thought it was just a like, GoFundMe page. Yeah, well, that's... Kickstarter, that's all I think of it. Well, there's Kickstarter, there's, well, there's, there's loads now, Indiegogo, but there are ones that do specifically in a niche, right? Like Kickstarter for X, Y, Z. But then there's also ones where it's, um, you know, Crowdcube or Cedars, yeah. right? I've come across Cedars before, but I didn't really, really recognize them as a crowdfunding platform. So it's another way to basically get, could be angel investment, could be seed round investment could be genuine VC investment, could be an alternative to a bank loan, um, funding circles, another one. So there's all these areas where people are raising money for their enterprises and their businesses and their ideas without A, having to go to a bank, but also B, without having it to be like that Kickstarter where it's like, oh, well, just give us 10 pound or 20 pound. Mm -hmm. It's like people actually come in and give good size amounts of investment. Um, so anyway, the plan with that is I'm going to read it and then I'm going to condense that down and then start writing about those types of books because there's, there's a lot of books that I, I want to, I could probably get through a lot quicker like this one as opposed to some of the other ones that are a bit more like f philosophy or like, yeah. you know, harder concepts to grasp and sometimes you read them and it, my head just is like, right, I've had enough, I don't want to read any more of that now. I think these things are a bit cyclical though, aren't they? Like, you'll... You've invested a lot of time into sort of those de more those denser sort of thought provoking things, and then you get a bit tired of it, and yeah. it's like oh, I want to do something that I can make actions out of, and then in six months you'll be back around, and you sort of, I find like I go through periods of where I invest in something, and then okay, I'm like okay, I've done that now, I'll do something else, and then I end up coming back. It's just you know giving your brain a little bit of yeah. yeah. I think that's it, you know, and it, it has been working well, and I think it's just now I want to, yeah, maybe focus crowdfunding. So what's what's the, are you, have you got a client in mind, or that you're thinking, or is it more just, it might be a possibility? Well, I, I think it, it definitely will be a possibility, because it's absolutely, it's really a popular way, and I just feel a lot of businesses will start going down that alternative route, um, yeah. but what I want to do is, is basically document how people around here have been doing it, because it, I've seen in the last month probably about six crowdfunding campaigns from um, you know businesses around here that are, are doing it and doing it successfully. You know they're they're actually raised the money that and gone over their their, um, their actual initial uh, pledge. Yeah. Although thinking of it, they're all quite different in how they've gone about doing it because some have only asked for five, you know, some twenty thousand some of the rewards that they've done. And I also think crowdfunding, it, it's, you may think it's like easy to do, like yeah. you just get a crowdfunding. I mean, that's probably one of the motivations to actually start reading about this because I've just heard people say, oh, we'll just do a crowdfunding and, and raise money. And I'm thinking, it's, I know there's people doing it and it's successful, but it, I don't think it's as easy as just, no. I get it on Kickstarter and I get 10 yeah. grand. So- um, There's a whole marketing campaign around getting people onto the Kickstarter. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not just a case of it getting dropped on, on there. on there and, and people will, will give you money. That That's the whole thing. So it's about how do you actually go about planning all of it and knowing where to go and creating mm -hmm. that sort of campaign. Because I mean, getting the awareness and the marketing side isn't that much of a difficult. I, I don't feel it'd be difficult for me to do that. It's just what's the structure of it and how and, and, and people that have done it already around here, how was it successful to them and how did they work it? Yeah. So that's kind of what I want to get into. Podcast. Um, so I was listening last time to Sam Harris and I've listened to about 30 episodes enough but I've really enjoyed his podcast you know he 
I didn't. I remember ages ago, probably about a year ago, I listened into him, and I, I didn't really get it, and it was a bit over my head, and it was difficult. It was just difficult to, to get. Um, but now some of the stuff I, I kind of understand, and it's really good. He asks really good questions and on complex topics, and it's yeah, one 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 of them where I would recommend, but it's a slow burner to get into. Uh, analysis, which is a BBC Radio Four podcast, mm -hmm. and it's about half an hour long each one. Basically summarised um, public policy topics in a way where they bring in everyday people and they bring in like experts and they kind of give you a bit of a balanced view. Really not too much bias, just kind of like one says this, one says that. This is what the news say. This is what someone works in that field says. This is what someone on the street says um, and, and, and condenses it down. Um, so quite good, good and condensed for half an hour anyway. Uh, yeah, I think the last one I listened to was about the Me Too campaign, which is interesting because... In France, it's really mm -hmm. um, like their culture is known for being uh, like romantic and very um, chauvinistic to a degree. The males, yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway. But and it was just like with that Me Too campaign, it was like it feels as if it's embedded in France's culture, and that with it all snowballing and coming to the the front of the media and everything. People are starting to question, like, is this our culture? Should this be our culture? So, and then it, it, you have people on both sides. You know, women turn around saying, you know, we, we, we like it when, when men hurt on us in, in, certain, in certain social circles. But then there's other people that are like, well, that should never happen. And then it's just, it, they just basically interview two people of opposing sides yeah, yeah. to a degree and just ask the opinion. Um, but and they do that for all the topics that they do. Like they did one on Brexit, where there was a guy that went was went in Oxford and like ninety percent voted to remain. But then he was initially from Wakefield, so he went up to Wakefield, and it was the opposite. And yeah. so he's asking people in a chippy, you know, why why in or out? But he's asking people in a pub down in Oxford why in and out. Um, so it's kind of good good. Um, is it pluralism? That's the word. But it's like a double take of different sides. So it was good. Sounds good. I've um, I've just downloaded that actually. Uh, funny, I've got I've Radio Four podcasts as well. Um, been looking for some some fresh podcasts to listen to. Really, um, the bottom line uh, with is it Evan Williams, the guy who does um, Dragons Den. Yes. Yeah. 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 So he's, he's the presenter. Yeah. Right. Um, but. It's just some. I've been looking for like a, a real, like broad podcast to listen to. Like I had a little look at some of the LSE stuff, um, McKinsey do one, but just was a bit. A lot of the McKinsey stuff anyway was I think aimed at people, two three levels above me. Yeah, I see. Um, so you know yeah. how to be a CEO, is not particularly useful for me at the minute, but. Some of these bottom line topics would look really interesting. I listened to, on the way down. I listened to why companies do bad things, which was looking at um, how things like the LIBOR scandal and PPI, how how that started. You know, what were the early decisions? How was it covered up? What was the what? You know, why was the decision to cover it up made? I also listened to should CEOs have term limits? There's one on franchising, co-working spaces. Right. Will five G revolutionise our lives? Um, is strategy necessary for success? Just loads of really quite varied topics, really. Oh, Terry Lee, he's doing well. I want to listen to that. Um, so, yeah, just department stores again. Again, yeah, just a Top little of old, but yeah, interesting, yeah. Just loads of quite varied, just 
28 minutes, half an hour long, of a little deep dive into a subject. Yeah. Um, I have nothing I, like something that I can learn from an interesting guest. Like Radio Four, great. There's loads of really good there stuff are, on there. Yeah, it is. It's high quality, to be Re- fair. Yeah, and really, like really good. relevant topics, like the one you were just saying. Then you know the co-working. I'm I'm pretty sure the analysis is on something that's similar. Um, and then what was the other one that was there? The co-working, you know, uh, high street department stores, all that type mm. of stuff. It's it's questions that you, you want answer, you know, or you want yeah. a perspective on because it's a bit up in the air, isn't it? Mm. And more than like. What it's good, what it's obviously good at as well is it's it's obviously British focused. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that we 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 read and we 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 hear um, from marketing and business is very Americanized. Yeah, yeah. It's dealing with Sears and Walmart. It's not dealing with you know as there is Walmart, but it's not dealing with John Lewis and Debenhams. Yeah. So it's it's very different over there. We you know we're slightly ahead. Um, we're, we're a bit more online than, than, than they are and um, it's, 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 it's just different challenges and it's, it's nice to get that view of a bit more of a British slant on things I think. Yeah, that Nick Leeson's funny, isn't he? Did he, ta- did he talk about the story? He, he, he w- it, it was very briefly, like, he went into what he did and stuff, but what was it, like, £900 million of losses? Yeah, he basically, cre- I think he, like, created or was a catalyst to creating this, the Singapore financial crisis. Yeah. And that's what it was. Or, or yeah, it was in, like, the 90s. And I think I remember he thought oh, it was getting worse and worse. And he's like, it's going to get better soon. It's going to get better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just kept getting worse and worse until literally... I think he had to flee the country or... Yeah, he, 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 jumped, like he jumped on a plane. <laughs> he jumped on a plane to Frankfurt. And then he sent him back to Singapore. Yeah. And then he ended up going jail. Um, but that was what they were talking about. It, it's usually... An, it, it usually does start as a genuine mistake in an yeah, error. Yeah, yeah. And then someone covers it up. And they, like, they realise they can get away with it. So they do it again. And then they, they do it again. And then when it becomes obvious to management, or like management find out, they... Started, then they start to cover up yeah, yeah. of how do we avoid this, ha- you know, how do we avoid people finding out about this, um, and it's all just, it's a lot of people trying to protect their jobs and their status, and their you know, don't tell the boss something's gone wrong because if they find out that something's gone wrong, then they need to be involved and they need to then, they, if they they don't want to know because they can always plead ignorance right. and stuff. Like it's, it's it's all just, yeah. Our world, the world economic position is just being held on to by people not wanting to seem bad to the boss. Yeah. Um, um, a tool. Um, so not, not, not so much a tool, like in the traditional sense, but um, the drum posted an article the other day um, that during England, I think it was Costa Rica, did he play Costa Rica before no, the World Cup? Panama. Oh. Yeah, probably. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Virtual stadium perimeter ads. So depending on where you were in the country, they were able to show different ads to different people, um, which is just like the next level sort of technology, I think. Um, the the stadium, this, this, the football is interesting because in the last couple of years, especially the big teams, the sponsors have almost no relation to the country that they're in anymore. Right. Chelsea have got Yokohama tyres, who I've never seen sell tyres over here. I've right. never seen them advertised. Liverpool are being sponsored by a bank, which, as far as I know, we can't have a standard chartered account. So mm. they just they don't operate here. 
in that way. Um, you know, Chevrolet, Man United, sponsor Man United. Yeah. Don't see many Chevrolets over here. Huge brand in the States, but you don't really see them over here. Borden's at the side of the pitch are for Indonesian ice cream right. and things like that. It's, it's becoming so global that that, 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 um, that real estate is, as valu- is valuable globally, not just locally. Yeah. But if they can basically have a blank canvas there and in different countries they can show different ads, that's a massive commercial opportunity for football teams. Yeah, totally. And what it actually got, I was actually, the, the, the thing that really got me starting thinking about this, I was at the, the Derby, the Liverpool Everton FA Cup game, and I was looking at the Everton kit, and obviously it's sponsored by Chang, which yeah. again, I think you can get it over here, but it's not a massive, it's not a massive beer brand in Asia, it is. Yeah. And I was looking at the kit, and I was like, when are we gonna, when, when are we gonna get to the point where football kits have a blank space? with basically that technology which allows teams to show a different sponsor on their kit depending on the country people are watching. But then if you're actually at the match, do you still get to see Chang or do you see a white well, space? Well, you maybe um, like... Does the kit they, actually have they, a white space they, on? They, or it, it, I'm not sure exactly how that technology works. If there were adverts at pitch side right. and they were overlaying them or if they were a blank space. But I can't imagine it's too much of a leap. Mm. So like you'd have every everyone's kit would be sold with different sponsors in different countries, and they'd yeah. be able to show that sponsor live in the match. Like that's that can't be that far away. The only thing is though, the boards are static where the players are moving, so that's yeah. Where it yeah so to it's, get really it's 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 obviously a, it's an it's an extra step. But yeah, yeah. I was I was thinking I was actually going to write a blog about it when a couple of months ago. Um, just the way I can sort of see that sponsorship moving. Yeah. Where you, you uh, here we have a British, a British based sponsor or a company at least that sells in Britain. Um, but if they, you know, for the Asian oh, market, yeah, it would show yeah. a different sponsor. Yeah, that's. Um, I think that's gonna be um, localized advertising for football teams is probably the next jump for commercial wise yeah. um, for them. Like they need it. No, TV. You know they can't. Yeah, they can't keep spending money on the TV companies. Can't keep throwing money at them. So, at some point, that stock's becoming um, profitable for them. Um, so yeah, we'll they'll be looking for new avenues. I think that's a way that they'll be looking. But yeah, like the different pitch side ads was was what the blog was about, and just really interesting. Really, mm. you know, ne- I'd say like next level, like. Um, outdoor marketing it's a, you know the whole outdoor space is going to be digitized soon anyway you know you do see the odd uh, digital billboard about but you know that's one of the the big criticisms of that space i think is it's so static right but now if everything can be digitized Dynamic. if everything's a everything's a, a basically a, comput- a, a tv a big tv screen yeah then that advertising becomes infinitely more valuable um yeah. so i think yeah just to get a bit off topic there's another you know people talk digital 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 all the time and they think that is restricted to a laptop or a you know a, a, a desktop or a more and more talking about a mobile but tv advertising is as soon as everyone's on digital and they can start serving different ads to different house houses you know that 
become that space becomes more expert, more um, valuable because people can direct their ads to certain people. Yeah. When we digitise our door, that's th- th- there's the next five or ten years. Like social media stuff aren't really going anywhere, but I think the really exciting stuff for marketing is going to be in you know, digital, out of home, TV, like hyper local, yeah, off offline advertising mm. type thing. Well, you know, again, linking up to your phone. If I, in a couple of years, you know, if 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 a digital billboard can tell that there are the there's a hundred people around it and sixty five of them happen to be men who are eighteen to twenty four, then that billboard can show an ad for men who yeah, are yeah, that, yeah. at that age yeah. rather than just whatever you know whatever films out of the moment. Yeah, yeah. It just completely changes the landscape. Um, so yeah, I think that's going to be really really interesting over the next. You know, five to ten years. That can get really complex. I was just thinking about all the bidding that goes on. You know, if you do know who your audience is, where your billboard is at, then yeah. who's going to be prepared to pay for more at what certain time of day? And yeah, that's well, all. TV and outdoor, like, it's still done over email and over phone. You know, I yeah. want to buy this space, and then it just it, it just all becomes programmatic. Then it just becomes another. It, 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 People who are working outdoor and TV have to learn yeah. display programmatic yeah, skills because that's how it's bought then. You buy an audience, not a space. What about you? Tool uh, or tool. app? Yeah, uh, In the new condensed format. That's it, yeah. So an app and tool is getting shrinked into one. Um, and this this week's is um, colormind.io. Mm. So color spelt the American way um, without the U. And um, it's really good actually. So I'm getting a, gonna get a new, well, getting a new website for Be Micro, but also getting a new brand. Not nothing changed much, just the colours. Gonna keep the blue and the orange. So what I did in this colour mind is I locked in those two colours, um, and then it uses this like generate some AI colours based on the ones that you've locked in. Or yeah. you can just it creates you if you don't have any colours, you can just generate some and it'll give you a five colour palette. But then with that five colour palette. It then gives you options about how you can use it on your website, you know, what feature elements to use, what color, mm-hmm. um, and then how to use the headings and how you should like lay the color next to that color. And it's yeah. actually really, really good. So I was playing about with it. I locked in a gray, a blue, and an orange, and then it gave me some sort of um, pink and a green one. So I'm going to go with that. But then, if, if, yeah, I'll just show you. So if you look down, it shows you like which ones to use as light shades. Which one to use as a light, light accent, uh, your main brand color, a dark accent, and then dark shades. Uh, <laughs> this page might give you some ideas. So then it starts giving you loads of ideas about how you can go and use some of those uh, colors and how you can be subtle with it and which ones complement one another. So yeah, um, color palette is an interpretive art, and that's what this website basically does through AI. So it's, it's really good to just have a little play with it um, and see what you think would work well and then it gives you all these examples of like your UI components of your yeah. site so for example what tabs what color should your tab be out of those five if you're going to have buttons that are like primary info warning success danger what color will they they be um, and it gives you all your codes and that's pretty much about it really but it's um it's helped me find some new colors uh, that I wanted and how to go about using them on your website and or your app even nice Interesting. Um, I need to mention, like, we've done, have we done two episodes that I've not seen the light of day? Yeah, since yeah, the last one. Too, yeah. You mentioned uh, the Zero app and the last one that we didn't okay. release. Um, 
I, I really like it. Do you? Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, like, I've always tried, I've, I've been looking at fasting for a while, but like, it's just so, it's like ridiculous. I love how, like, Kevin, it's Kevin Rose, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's Kevin Rose, It's yeah, ridiculously yeah. simple and easy, and it's like, human, human, mind, human memory is awful. Mm. So it's like, you know, I could be easily, you know, I've thought, oh, you know, I, I, I finished eating at like half eight last night, and it's actually, it was half nine. Cause you, yeah, you, yeah. But this is, you know, click the button to start fasting. Just click it when you stop fasting. It's time to start, um, and then you're, you're good to go. Um, finally, an event. You first, is it? Yeah. yeah, I got back from one yesterday. So Friday and Saturday, went to Future Fest in London, which was put on by Nesta. Do you know, um, they're like a social, uh, kind of like social investment company, but they do okay. like loads more as well. Um, but it was really good. Had uh, there's a, a woman economist that I've been following for a while called Kate Rowland, and she was on talking about donor economics. So basically, how um, you know economic problems can be solved if we take care of the planet and then kind of involve maneuver it that way rather than kind of it's still I guess it can still be about profit, but more about the impact that it does to the environment because then things you know can't be doing and climate change and all this type of stuff it, it's it's not actually i'm not explaining it very well because it is actually really quite simple um quite a simple argument um and she's got a few youtube um videos explaining each one of the parts mm -hmm. of the donut but basically like the impact you do on one thing reflects you know is the impact bigger on a on an ecological basis and if it is so then reduce that to then do something else mm -hmm. and obviously we like different ways of doing it and she talks about a thing called uh, distributed by design that's basically a lot of her thing it, it is all more about instead of scaling it's about spreading so more people having distributed networks on a local basis than having a centralized huge basis i facebook mm -hmm. right it's closed it's decentralized it's not open source so it, yeah, the equivalent technology is open source and closed source or, or you know closed really um you know it could be central banks or it could be the opposite which would be you know a distributed bank or but there's there's these examples and scenarios that are, could happen across all areas of life and business and i guess the the, the natural world and whatnot um, so she was really good then there's another guy called Vinny Gupta, who I've followed for a while, who talks about blockchain. He's like probably, he's like a Scottish lawyer, trained as a lawyer, and now he's like really big in the blockchain, helped launch Ethereum. Um, he's probably one of the go-to guys on blockchain in the world, probably. Um, and he talked for about half an hour, explaining what it is, potential, this, that, and the other. Um, Nicholas Sturgeon was there, believe it or not. I, you should have seen it, it was hilarious, right? And I felt a bit bad, actually, because she starts speaking about why Scotland, da, 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 the future, all this. Really good talk, just general political um, speech that you get like from most politicians. Um, but then she just mentioned, like, she said, you know, and if any people here want to move up to Scotland, and everyone started laughing, right? And it was like, I don't know whether it was, <laughs> it was laughing, because it's as if, A, like, you talk to a whole group in London, and no one's asked about moving to Scotland, right? So that's why people are laughing, like, up, uh, subconsciously. And that felt really bad when you look at it that way. But then the other bit is like laughing because you're trying to make a joke out of it a little bit. But yeah, then why yeah. would you joke? Like she was genuinely being serious after a whole spiel. And it's like, yeah, you know, you should really consider it coming up and moving to Scotland. And then everyone started laughing. And then I was laughing because everyone was laughing. I was like, oh my God, that's hilarious. I was like, she's standing up there, speaks to hundreds of people. And like basically just done the sales pitch and said, come join us. And everyone's just been laughing, just laughed at you. 
Um, so that was like, that was a bit bizarre. I don't know, well, I can, I can see why she was at the conference because um, a lot of the examples she was talking about did seem to be quite, quite interesting and related to uh, future technology, that sort of thing. Um, and then the CEO actually of Nesta, Jeffrey Mulligan, I, I, I was only staying in the room because I was waiting to hear the next talk. Do you know Douglas Rushkoff? Oh. He's like a media theorist from America. He's done quite a lot of books. He was on after, so I thought, I'll just wait here for half an hour till he's on. He was actually really good. Um, but, yeah, he was amazing, like, all, talking about all the projects they've invested in, all the projects they're involved in, um, everything that they're doing. And it was just like, this company, Nesta, is like, they're just on the ball. Mm. Like, they're really forward-thinking, pushing through a lot of good projects. Um, and then, well, it's not Ruby Wax was on. She was actually really good. Um, what was she talking about? She was talking about mental health. Oh, okay. Yeah, so she was talking about, um, well, a funny story actually, how she was the poster girl for mental health and all the posters in London got splashed up, like one in four people have mental health and it was her, and it was just a picture of her and she was talking about like how she didn't think that would be the campaign. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, she just ended up becoming this, this poster girl for mental health and all the work she's doing in that now and, um, a book and stuff like that. But yeah, I was uh, trying to think if there's anyone else. I think they were the main highlights for me. Um, That's interesting. So yeah, it was really good. I'd, I'd definitely, I'd, I'd go back next year. And it's in that uh, tobacco dock. Oh yeah. Yeah, which is, uh, yeah, good venue, but just super hot. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the weather, probably that. But um, yeah, good, good experience. Nice. Uh, I went to a Facebook event um, called Christmas in July. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, which was a bit weird because they all had um, Christmas songs on and mince pies, and they were all wearing um, blue Father Christmas hats, like you were Everton fans. Um, but that was good. Like we had um, one of the a guy was on from eMarketer talking about um, you know Black Friday stats and where we are as a as a country versus the rest of the world for people shopping online and how how behaviours are shifting and um, we had uh, one of the couple of people from Facebook talking about um, how to use Instagram stories um, for, to reach to reach people mm. um, yeah it was nice it was good uh, probably um, got quite a bit out of it um, and it was you know it was just a load of retailers in the room really looking at Everyone's already thinking about Q4. Everyone's already thinking about um, how they um, how they can get the most out of Black Friday. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's. Um, but yeah, that's it for this week. Slightly shorter than normal, I think. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Thanks for that. Yeah.